there is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast that teaches you how to grow not just today, but tomorrow in the ever-changing world of marketing and business. As always, I'm your host, Kip Bodner, CMO here at HubSpot. I am joined by the one, the only, he's happy because he's got a magical spoon oh, in his mouth. This is actually how he's going to kick off the episode. Here in Flanagan, what is up, man? All right. Can you fill everybody in? Can you fill everybody in on, on what we're talking about? Here? All right. So how many times have I mentioned a couple of things that I want in Ireland and cannot get? Magic spoon, age sleep, Twitter flu. So I went to the States this week, met up with Kip, met up with a bunch of people from HubSpot. Juliana has heard me whine and moan about not having any Magic Spoon forever. So she bought me four boxes of Magic Spoon. Kip had it for me when I arrived. Kip, I had two bowls. Yes, two bowls. <laughs> two bowls of peanut butter. Peanut butter Magic Spoon. Oh, what did you think? What was your review? Was it worth it? It was good. It was very good. The other thing I thought I had, because I went to the States and me and Kip <laughs> were having a glass of wine in the evening. And I came over to Kip and I was like, oh, I've got Twitter blue. It's incredible. All my dreams are coming true. And he's like, well, it's probably because you're in the US and you won't actually have it when you get back to Ireland. And he is right. I still don't actually have Twitter blue. You were kind of crushed by that. I was crushed. I was going to change my life. It was sad. Uh, it turns out actually seeing people is way more fun than being on Zoom calls. We had an amazing time. That being said, Karen, there's a lot of interesting things happening in the world. Do you want to kick off today's Twitter soda or do you want me to? Kip, what is one of the things that everyone is talking about on Twitter? It is the recession, bleak, all of those kind of it, things. Yeah. I wanted to take a positive spin on that and do a guess the brand. Oh, I love this guess, game. Guess the brand. So I, Let's I guess do it. the brand. And this is all about the good things that come out of a recession because this brand was born in a recession. I want to tell you a little bit about the company. I'll let you guess and then tell you some of the things that I think they did incredibly well. All right. Okay. Guess the brand. I'm going to try. The company was a pivot from another company that made it easy for groups to fundraise to achieve certain goals. However, like yep. every great startup, the founder dug in and saw one part of the platform that worked really, really great. So we pivoted to that feature and built an entire business around it. They launched this at the height of the financial crisis in 2008. This business became one oh. of the fastest growing business, businesses in the history of business. They turned down an offer from Google for $6 billion, only two years later, 2010. Instead, they IPO'd. It was the largest IPO offering at the time for a tech company. I'm sure it's been surpassed since. It was the biggest since Google. The company was valued at $16.6 billion. The numbers are crazy. Guess the brand. What do you think it was? I, I don't know. I have no clue. I have literally no clue. You're going to kick yourself. I love it. I, I am. All right. You stumped me. Groupon. Groupon. Oh. Isn't that wild? I forgot that Groupon existed as a business. I know. I know. The fastest growing business of all time. They had 7,000 employees, had sold 70 million deals, and it was their marketplace. You want to talk about a couple of things they did well? I would love to. Why were they so successful? Yes. And then why did they fail? Because ultimately, they uh, failed pretty badly. Their market cap today is 500 million. 
they created an amazing win-win situation. Yes, they did. When when they first launched, it was a no-brainer for merchants to to use them. They created this thing where they promised merchants a certain amount of deals, and if they didn't reach that number of deals, Groupon took zero amount of the profits. It was a win for the buyers because the buyers got a discount on the product. It's a win for the sellers because the sellers don't have to pay any percentage of their profits on that deal unless they get a certain amount of buyers. So they created this amazing win-win situation. Number one, I love this story. In the early days, they were so scrappy. They were trying to do a deal with Chicago Bulls. Oh, yeah, because they were a Chicago-based company. Yeah, They were a Chicago-based company. They were trying to get tickets from the Chicago Bulls that they could actually sell at a discount through Groupon and do a deal. Chicago Bulls said no. So what did they do? Chicago Bulls did have a public offer. If you bought 25 tickets, they would give you 50% off those tickets. So they just advertised 26 tickets on their website at a 50% discount, yeah. got them sold, and then just bought them and hand-delivered them to their customers. That's awesome. Their incredible thing about Groupon is in the early days, they had an email list of 500 people, right? 500 people? That's that's nobody. Right, people? You do not need a lot of people to actually start a business. They had 500 subscribers, which is crazy. They knew they needed a bigger email list to keep on growing the amount of deals that they could sell. And so what they did was they allowed you to look at the deal on the website, but to actually be participate in mm-hmm. buying that deal, you had to sign up with your email address. And then the other thing I would say they did really, really well is the instrumented product virality from day one. Oh, I love this. Right, You have to pull enough people in to get the discounted offer. So they had a public ticker and they would say, we have 97 mm-hmm. people of the 100 needed. If we get three more, everyone gets the discount. So that's insane incentivized virality. There were deals where they were specifically targeting groups of friends. So they would say, you get three cinema tickets for the price of two, pull another person into their ecosystem. You can buy Groupon for gifts. That's another way that they could incentivize referrals. And then they actually had an affiliate model where I could refer you to Groupon and you could get money off your next deal if you refer friends into Groupon. Why did they fail? It wasn't profitable enough for most of the merchants By the time they actually got the discount and Groupon's percentage fee, the merchants were not making a lot of money. It put a huge strain on merchants' businesses because they had this sudden influx of customers. Most of those customers did not retain for the merchants. And it was just too easy to copy, right? They had no moat. Very easy to copy. Yeah. The the thing that's interesting, though, is it reminds you that as as, as a marketer, as a business leader, one of the tools you have to distribute and grow your business is price. Yes, And there are times when sensitivity of price is higher or lower. And in recessionary cycles, there's a much higher sensitivity to price. You know, people have less money, whether it be an individual, whether it be a business, have less less money to go and spend in discretionary ways. And so I think if you're sitting here and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, what the heck do I take away from this funny Groupon example? You need to think about how you are going to evolve how you price and package your business over a recession. And that might be discounting. That might be trying to bundle in more value for the same price. There's a bunch of different ways that you will get there. But if you are not thinking about your pricing strategy, you are not going to be successful. In the recession, there are companies that are going to win and there's companies that are going to lose. The companies that are going to win in a recession are going to be focused on how do they invest in their customers instead of having their customers having to invest in them. 
You know, if you're trying to extract all this short-term value from your customers in this bad economic time, it's like your customer is investing in you to keep the business afloat. If instead you're offering discounts, better terms, more products for the value, then wow, you're really investing in your customers for the long term. And when we come out of this recessionary cycle, they're going to not just be happy and be getting value, but they're going to love the brand and they're going to want to be lifelong customers of the brand. And that's the opportunity we have going forward. Agree or disagree? I agree. I think there's two types of pricing models that will work really well during the recession. There's consumption-based pricing where you get paid based upon the amount your customers use you. Love that. And then there's performance-based pricing, which is what Groupon had, where you get paid based Mm -hmm. upon how well that software or whatever it is performs for you. And I think both of those are an example of what you said is like, that's how you invest in your customer success and they extract value from you versus you constantly trying to extract value from them. What was the coolest thing you ever bought a group on? Oh, that's a great <laughs> question. What is the coolest? I don't know if I ever bought anything cool on Groupon. I bought a spa package. <laughs> I never bought a spa package. I, you know, I think I bought my very first improv class session I bought on Groupon. Yeah, you did improv comedy. That's cool. Is Groupon still around? They're still around. Uh, they've had multiple different what? founders. You know, the cool thing is their founder, Andrew Mason, who's amazing, is the founder. Yeah, he's now at Descript, Descript which is, a, is an amazing brand. Sh- shout out Descript, amazing podcast, editing software. Yes. Uh, amazing company. Andrew went on and did that business. And I love the product. Great product if you haven't checked it out. All right, Kieran, I got something for you. Great. I want to call out something by a friend of the pod, Alex Lieberman, founder of Morning Brew. He was an early guest on Marketing Against the Grain. A great guest. A great guest. I think one of our most popular episodes of all time. Shout out to Alex. Did you see what he's doing with 60 Seconds Startup? Oh, I did see this, but explain it to the listeners. Let me me tell the audience about this. So Alex has launched a brand new online video show called 60 Seconds Startup, and he goes a person on the street style interviewing a startup founder and sets a timer and that founder has 60 seconds to describe his or her business and then that video gets posted on TikTok, YouTube Reels, Twitter and everybody responds in or out. Are you in? Would you invest? Would you want to be a part of this startup? Are you out? You know, this this startup, this idea isn't for me. And then the other thing he does is he gets the founder involved in those threads and the founder answers questions in the comments and really engages. And so there's a few things that are really interesting here about 60 Second Startup. First of all, my biggest takeaway is that if you're out there and you're doing marketing or you're running a business and you are trying to tell long stories, get out. The era of long stories is over. The era of high friction is over. Think about it. Like if this had happened five years ago, this would have been an hour-long YouTube video or streaming video, and it would have had some like really convoluted, complicated like reply process around somebody investing. We live in a world that is so busy and so crowded now that it has to be 60 seconds, and the whole response is in or out. Two letters or three letters. Right. And it's like that level of friction, that level of ease is what's necessary to be successful and stand out on the web right now. And so I love what Alex is doing. Shout out Alex Lieberman, shout out 60 Second Startup. But I think there are a lot of lessons from what he's doing. And those lessons are that you have to, one, understand short form video is a huge opportunity on the internet. If short form video isn't a part of your marketing strategy, wow, you really need to step it up. There's a ton of opportunity there. The second thing is 
with all this competition, there's a lot of friction. And if you were doing any marketing that requires a high lift on your consumer or customer's perspective, your likelihood of engagement's very, very low. That's my take on what Alex is doing. I think it's awesome. I think it is representative of a lot of how a lot of brands, a lot of companies are going to create content in the future. What's your take? Do you like it? Do you think it's like too short? What's your What's your take? So I have a slightly hot take on this. Oh, give give me some spicy take here. I think short form content is a huge part of the web. It's a huge opportunity. I agree with you. Look at the dominance of TikTok. You don't need any other evidence. But I think the kind of move to short form content for everything is bad for the world. Mm -hmm. Not everything should be explained in a couple of minutes. Not everything should be covered in such a short amount of time because it really forces you to try to go to the most extreme version of that thing Mm -hmm. to try to get attention. I think that has repercussions on on all of us. We're all vying for each other's attention. And so we are trying to be as over the top as possible. We are trying to be on the extremes. Mm -hmm. However, take-based culture, yeah. Look, I think for marketers, I think you have to think about what are the things that I do need to have in-depth coverage for? How do I make them interesting? But what are the things that I can condense down, make much, much more interesting? And the other part about Alex, what he gets really, really right is he is sourcing engagement from the community. Totally agree with that. In a really kind of cool yeah. way. Like he he's basically has these Twitter threads. He's like, interact, interact, interact. So he's making it much more interactive. I do think it's hard to pitch your company in a minute. But is it worth it to get your company in front of a mass audience of people of which maybe a small percentage might then go to really do the deep dive and learn from maybe a long form article, podcast, something else. I think the net in terms of number of people understanding your company is probably higher with that approach than it was with just like the five minute explainer video. It's content remixing. I think what we're saying, what we're saying is like create a great idea and then turn that great idea into a multitude of different content that fits with the platform. So Alex is probably trialing that on Twitter. I think short form content works much, much better on Twitter. So he has a really killer video. He gets interaction from the community. He really is playing into the things that work on Twitter. I'm sure if that works really well. You could imagine he has a podcast where he goes deeper with founders. He's a YouTube, oh, he has a YouTube series where he actually goes into the startups offices, you know, talks to them in their setting goes into more detail on their tactics. And so I think this is content remixing and marketers are really bad at it. Like what are my killer ideas and how do I take a multitude of different steps to create that idea in different formats in different ways across different platforms? Like you have content channel fit. Yeah. Not channel content fit. So you have to make the content for the channel, not force the channel to try to adhere to the way you want to make your content. There's a bigger issue at play here, Kieran. Every brand needs to be more like an iconic musician, right? Like if you think about an iconic musician, what does he or she or a band have? They have hits and they don't have hundreds of hits. They have dozens of hits. And you know what happens is they get really tired and really sick of playing the hits. You know, they're like, wait, I want to play some new songs. But everybody's there to hear the things that they love. And most brands don't do that. They have something that really resonates with the audience and they kind of play it once and they move on. And what you're advocating for here is like, no, no, no. Once you've got the hit, keep giving them the hit and give it in every format possible, every iteration possible. And if you think you're sick of it, you're just getting started with how you want to make that happen. Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree. Let's go back to the Groupon story. One of the 
interesting things about the Groupon story is they found a feature and one in an interview Andrew said when they found that feature and he found what people wanted were group deals within six months he had just expanded that in a multitude of different ways across 13,000 cities right find one thing that works and then try to double down on that thing and do it in a multitude of different ways and different formats and that's what you're advocating for in terms of content 100% what are your best ideas and how can I do those ideas how can I go really deep on those ideas across a multitude of platforms and multitude of formats and make sure that I extract all of the value I can get from that? Because guess what? It's really hard to have good ideas. <laughs> it's so hard. And, what, and, and, like, and sometimes there's no rhyme or right. reason to them. Sometimes they just come to you and you're just really lucky. Yeah. And so you play that idea to death. Like you, what, what's, Hell, what, yes. what's the Christmas song? So here we are. Merry Christmas, everybody's <laughs> having fun. Yeah. That's their only yeah. hit. They get paid every. It's literally their only hit. They get hit. paid every year. Every year, they get paid. Get paid for your ideas. There's there's a false bias. Companies and brands and marketers are more worried that they're going to annoy their community by overplaying the hits. That's just a false bias. It's just not true. It is more likely that you're going to grow your community by having a new person hear that hit for the first time. Yes. You know, like that is actually the truth here. And if you if you don't subscribe to that truth, then you're just going to waste really great ideas and really great execution of ideas. Imagine like, again, with the metaphor, imagine slaving over writing the perfect song and then like only letting people listen to it for like a month and moving on. Right. That seems idiotic, but that's what's so many many marketers do every day. Look, Ed Sheeran has over a billion streams on Spotify and every single one of them is about a lost love. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. We got to cover one more story before we okay. close out on this Twitter. So Kieran, go, go for okay. it. Okay. I have a cool leadership acronym that I really wanted to bring on the show because I thought it was oh, very, very cool. Acronyms, controversial topics. Is Are there cool acronyms? Okay. Is that a thing? Are acronyms cool? I don't know. Eh. I don't know. I don't know. Eh. This is my, uh, if you hang out with smart people, you get you learn smart things. So this is from a friend of ours, Nicholas Holland, who is a soundbite machine. Shout out, Nick Collins. Uh, you, you, I don't know if you know this, Kip, but I spent an, I, I traveled back with Nicholas, so I had an hour of Nicholas time uh, I do, I do. <laughs> in a car. You had, you had an hour and a half of isolated Nick yeah, Collins time, Nick, which is like basically traveling with the micro machine man from the 1990s <laughs> micro machine and commercials. So Nicholas uh, has a thousand thoughts a second. All of them are very, very good. And he had this really cool one, which he talked to me about called CCN. So not C-N-N. C-C-N. All right. So we've got three letters, C, a C, and an N. Drop me some knowledge. Compliment, clarity, and nudge. Right. He was talking about a leadership style. This is called compliment, clarity, and nudge. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what he says is like really great leaders are able to compliment you on the work you do, provide clarity, which you are actually very good at this, providing clarity, and then nudging you where they want you to actually go. And let me give you an example of this, right? Please, please. Someone comes in, they present a memo, memos of our presentations. Presentations suck. All right, you did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Memos for life. Memos for life. Presentations are garbage. That's Kieran's Kieran's call out for everybody. All right, you did a great job of putting together that memo. I think it clarified the three things that matter. It got people aligned around the problems that we should obsess over solving, right? That's a good compliment. Hey, I feel good about that. Thank you for sharing that. Point of clarity 
what I heard was people weren't sure in what order we should tackle these problems and weren't sure the resources needed to solve them, right? That's my providing you with the clarity that you need in terms of what are the important takeaways from that memo you just presented. And then the little nudge, I think for the next steps, I'd get together a grid that shows the problems, the upside on solving those problems, the resources needed to solve those problems, and then at time, it's going to take us to realize the value. So that's the nudge of where I think you're going to go. Now, look, you could argue that, why do I do the compliment and clarity? I just want to tell that person what to do. Well, you know, <laughs> what I have learned over time as being someone who's a, who used to just be, my acronym was N. <laughs> Nudge. <laughs> nudge, nudge everyone. Capital N, nudge. <laughs> nudge, 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 nudge. That's okay for some people. Most people don't like a nudger. Don't be a nudge, just a nudger. Mm-hmm. You does get you in trouble. People want to know that their work is like appreciated. Yeah, of course. Right? They want, they're, they're doing this hard work. So compliment matters. Clarity matters. Like you and I have a really great working relationship. And I think one of the things you always help me with is clarity. Even in this podcast, you hear sometimes I go off in these tangents and you're like, hey, I think what you're saying is like, this is actually what you're saying. That's points of clarity of like what I actually mean by the things that I'm saying. And then the nudge is really good because it helps you understand where that person thinks the most important next steps are. And so I thought that was a really good acronym by Nicholas. Well, and, and I think if you if you extrapolate that even out from management, what it, what you're really saying is people need to be in the right mindset to get critical feedback. Right. That that that's what this framework is all about. That's what this acronym is all about. I love that. Is how can you help people be in the right mindset to receive it? Because look, you can nudge people all you want. If they're not in a good place to receive it, they're not going to hear it. They're not going to listen to it. And it's not going to matter. You know. But if you get people. The number one thing, you have to remember, humans are social beings, and people just want to be clear that they're not alone on an issue. And so when you give somebody that positive feedback up front, it's like, oh, hey, I'm on your team. We are here together. We are going to do this. But to do this thing we need to do, I need you to be a little better at this thing over here. Right? Like that. The whole shift of that is very different than, hey, I just need you to be better at this thing. Right. Well, it's like, oh. Well, oh, crap. He that, he doesn't think I'm good at anything. Right, exactly. And like he just picked this. He just picked this thing to tell me that I need to be better at today. But there's like 20 things he thinks I'm bad yeah. at. Well, like that is just a very different shift and mindset than like, oh no, we're actually we see the world in the same way. We know what we're trying to solve, and there's something that I can do better to help get us there. That is a very different framing, and that's one of the reasons that I like the CCN acronym. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not a big acronym person, but I love simple mnemonics that help people like really come with optimism and clarity to a situation. And that seems what, what we're talking about here. People are social beings. It's a, it's a flaw, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> we're social beings. Akira and I would not like to be, but we accept our fate. The shout out to Nicholas. I think, you know, one of the hacks you can really instrument in your life is spend time with smart people. It's actually the easiest way to get better at everything. Oh, preach, preach, preach. I know we're going to do an episode about biggest inflection points in career, but my biggest learning over the past 10 years is, wow, just spend time with smart people. That's it. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It's true. And if you're not happy with who you are, then you spend time with different people. That's that's the name of the game. Yep. Kieran, what a show today. 
what a show today. Wow, did we cover the cover some ground. You stumped me on Guess the Brand. I had no clue. I forgot the company literally even existed. That's how good the prompt was. Yep. I forgot Google even tried to buy them. It was amazing. We we took a we took a detour down short form video lane. It was lovely. We we gave, shouted out Alex Lieberman and we gave people some tips for playing the hits, leaning into their best ideas, staying out of that missing middle of content that's happening on the internet today. And then we close it out with some great leadership framework, CCN, which was a, a great way for for people to be able to think about praising providing clarity and really kind of nudging and providing constructive feedback i love that shout out to nick holland alex lieberman groupon for existing i guess i don't know yeah andrew mason was an amazing group of folks who contributed to our conversation today as always thank you kieran for making me feel stupid on guess the brand and until next time uh we'll see everybody very soon back here on marketing against the grain 